Welcome back, Interabe. How are you doing? Uh, how, how are you, Michelle, too? <laughs> I'm doing like five seconds of silence for interrobang. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm doing pretty well. Um, by the time of recording this episode, it is kind of like late-ish afternoon. Sometimes Stephanie and I usually record kind of late evening time, so um, it's a little different for me. Not um, in the rocking chair, I presume, today. No, I'm so I'm in the main my main studio default setup, um, and the spinning chairs with the uh, photos I have up. Um, but it's still daylight out where I am, and yeah, I have a quick question. Kind of a fun Go opener, on. I think, uh-huh. because it's on my on my noggin right now. That's probably uh-huh. what I'm going to do after this episode, and that is smoothies. I know Ooh. some people have a difference between juices and smoothies. Okay. We won't just a thick juice. Yeah. But but <laughs> smoothies, um, the idea of blending whole food items to create a smooth drink. Okay. Um not as a dessert necessarily. So for me, I like to have smoothies that are usually fruit based. I know some people put vegetables. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking, like, but imagination, totally welcome. If you could have, like, a, I'm going to say, put a number on it, a three-ingredient smoothie mm. of your choice mm-hmm. for maybe fruit, what is your one of your favorite combinations? Mm, I, I do like a kind of citrusy, soury, tangy blend. So I definitely have to go with pineapple. Did I say that right? I'm sorry. I, I blurred the word. <laughs> pineapple. Yeah. Um, mango. That's a great combination already. Anything else is just extra. Maybe uh, kiwi. Yeah, let's go kiwi. Kiwi isn't a, a common ingredient, I think. Yeah, I guess. Um, and I have fun facts for each of them, but they would take too long to explain. So maybe another day we'll have another like a fruit themed episode or something. That's a good point. Yeah, I, I'm a sweet tooth for sure. And so like vegetable ingredients in smoothies aren't, I have yet to grow up and muster a <laughs> tolerance for that so i totally resonate with you stephanie on like yeah as the base like pineapple juice is very mm-hmm. nice or even like mango nectar is nice mm-hmm. kiwi for sure strawberry no you've gone four you violated your own oh, rules i'm sorry i'm sorry i was just listening <laughs> out for what i would want but i think right now i would like for my three peach Peach, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. I want peach. It's distinct. So we we've cleared the slate. You're not talking about mangoes, yeah. pineapples, kiwis. Yeah, number one is peach. Right? Number two okay. is mango. Mm. Number three, they're is very strawberry. similar. Uh, mm-hmm. Peach and mango have a similar yeah. kind of like they'd add to each other. Up, so, but yeah, those would be my my three. Okay. Um. Yeah. Do, I don't like like people put peanut butter and like whey protein or something in. I guess to. I'm not a fan of or like even banana I'm not a huge fan of like thickening the smoothie just give it to me as is yeah the banana one you can kind of make it more desserty what I've done and I add like cinnamon powder to it um, Mm -hmm. and like vanilla protein powder or something but it is it definitely alters the texture for sure um how it keeps but yeah I guess with um the time of year being kind of summery certain at least, you know, where we live, certain fruits are coming into season naturally. So um, like where I am at strawberries and soon to be blueberries, watermelons, peaches. Um, but I know in Terabang, you might be from other countries which have completely different um, <laughs> produce, like completely different. So this is, yeah, for, as far as the states go. I uh, remember the first, right now. Mm-hmm. the first year I started working, I kind of threw the whole fruit bowl into the blender because I was like, I'm not gonna uh-huh. eat. I had to, I had to wake up early because I had to drive an hour into work. So yeah, I, I forced myself to wake up at four so I could start cutting fruit and peeling and everything. I know you don't need to peel fruit, like all the fruit for putting into a blender or cutting it very small, but I did because my bl- blender is very old and I wanted mm-hmm. to make it last long. But I think I incorporated like all the colors of the rainbow. It was pretty ambitious. I think that at some point. There was, um, let's see, red would be like strawberries or some kind of berry, sometimes pomegranate if it was in season. Oh, orange would be, I'd, like, I'd put actual oranges in there, orange slices. 
Uh, yellow could be like pineapple if that was in season, or maybe I just skip. Oh, sometimes there was apples. Sometimes I put grapes, red and green. Um, or like would the end color be like a murky? Um, it's usually like dark pink. Dark pink would be then okay. Yeah, so I think there's. I think I always bought like strawberries and like blueberries and blackberries because they had those antioxidants to keep you um energetic and alert throughout the day <laughs> if that's to uh, you believe those, so those were the, um, that was the hope it was it was a very chewy smoothie so i don't think it would agree with everybody but i don't mind gnawing on the fruit <laughs> throughout the little, day little <laughs> yeah i think for me yeah smoothies are great they're fun um but i think i always prefer like whole food whole fruit and vegetables i think i just mm-hmm. like to like experience like the unique texture of each piece and mm-hmm. the flavor and everything but anyways that was just my quick opening because it's on my on my brain i'll probably get to make a smoothie after this recording mm. um but yeah what's on your mind stephanie what do you have going well on right now? at the time of recording it's national eyewear day so i thought we could you know talk hmm. a little bit about you know eyewear the evolution of and oh, perhaps okay. even the future you know look forward Ha, look, look back to the past and forward <laughs> um, towards, I guess, future trends. Um, uh-huh. And, you know, just kind of commemorate, just kind of like we did the shoe episode. I forgot we, what we called it. But um, yeah, it's it's a little known fashion statement, but also very much necessary. Very, yeah. Well, like <laughs> I mean, some are, people, yeah. it, you know, some, some very um, perfect people, you know, blessed people, they, they don't need the eyewear. But um, for the rest of us plebs, you know, we, we have to improve our eyesight. How about you? Do you have glasses? I can't tell. I've known you for all these years and I can't remember if I've seen a pair of glasses or contacts. Um, I yeah. feel like I have. But I don't know if my mind's just inserting it, you know, like post the fact and lying to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, in my case, so I do uh, I do have corrected vision. Okay. Um, I wear contacts daily. I have to. Ah, okay. Um, there we go. But the thing with that is, right, we're wearing contacts. And if you don't live with me, you know, you, yeah, as Stephanie has experienced, you would not know because contacts are so. Um, Unless you're like really up close and staring at their type. eyeballs every day. Why, you know, why yeah. would you? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, so I do have glasses. I wear them on like certain off days, like once a week to give my eyeballs a break because it's kind of recommended if you wear contact lenses daily. Um, but I first started getting glasses and uh, sorry, it was fifth grade. Okay. Yeah, fifth okay. grade, which in the States, so that's about age 11, 10, 11. Yeah, yeah. And then I got contacts a year later. Okay. Switched over pretty quick. And uh, I was lucky, I would say for sure, because um, my dad, um, thanks to him, I'm blind as a bat. Uh, he wears contacts <laughs> and glasses. Right. And transitioning to wearing contacts is not always the easiest for people because it's very it's weird. It's a little bit jarring. Yeah. When yeah. You start sticking off. your finger in your eyeball and it's very uncomfortable and odd. Scary and people, prospect. Yeah. Yeah. And some people never get used to it. I know. So they end up just going back to glasses entirely, but I kind of had my dad to help me um, guide you through it. Guide process. me through it. That kind of tough couple of weeks of getting used <laughs> All those to it. Tears at the beginning. <laughs> a lot of tears. And because I couldn't, this is this is very specific but like so yeah 10 year old me um because i yeah cause i played sports and things and glasses i were cumbersome for me and i was interested in switching over to contacts and my dad uh-huh. was wearing them and he had uh-huh. positive things to say um and so i was like i want to do this he's like okay you got to be responsible right keeping them clean yeah fingers clean um don't lose them all that stuff so it was kind of big responsibility for a fifth grader <laughs> so, but i just remember i could not get them in myself um because it was so bizarre oh, so someone had to put enough. it in for you so my dad would be for the oh, first I feel like, like that's even more half, awkward oh, it no. was and it pushed me to teach myself oh, basically right. in the bathroom my dad because i would you know you're naturally you move away from someone yeah. poking you in the eyeball uh-huh. it's just so reaction my yeah. dad with his bigger hands like 
grabbing my whole head and kind of pinning it against a wall. This is nothing. It was not painful. My dad was, this is all caring and out of love. Yeah. It was needed, but he was kind of had to pin my head against a wall and like hold my eyelid open and try to like, but of course, as, as his eye, as his finger is coming near with the contact, my eye would be shifting like left and right, like wanting to avoid trying it, to get like, out of the trying to get out of the headlock. <laughs> and so many tears. I wasn't actually oh, in pain, God. but it was. It took so after like a week of that, I was like, I gotta learn I, myself. I think I'm ready to just do it myself. <laughs> um, so it was yeah. definitely like a rite of passage, and I never looked back. I've enjoyed them tremendously. I'm used to them, but yes, I wear contacts. I have to. Um, to see yeah i'm (laughs) I'm nearsighted um and if i don't wear anything yeah i I, so i can't read anything if i'm not wearing any contacts or glasses i you can't can't see far i guess since you said you're nearsighted you can't see far away objects you can see you know like maybe close objects but only if they're quite I can read a book. Yeah, I can definitely read a book. Um, Looking at a computer screen that's not right in front of my face is difficult, but... uh, Okay, gotcha. Yeah, and so that's my situation. Yeah. Okay. Stephanie? Oh, I I have been aware of glasses for uh, almost as long as I can remember. Four and a half years old. Sorry to interrupt. I realized how I came up. I just want to say thanks to my dad for helping me. Yes. Shout out to Michelle's dad. Yeah, I'm grateful. I'm not bitter or <laughs> no animosity towards that thank you for being patient it's helped her grow you. it's helped yes. her grow yeah. as a person yeah. developed her character <laughs> she's become a better person because of it <laughs> yeah. i just want to insert that real quick go ahead stephanie <laughs> um my story was not so dramatic um i i started wearing glasses at four and a half and that's a bit traumatizing um as a kid because i think but i saw you remember how yeah, I remember this... the very first day I wore them because, and I and the eye test for, for that. Like... Well, apparently I couldn't see. I thought what I saw was normal, <laughs> but uh-huh. apparently blurry shapes was not not good, not par so for did the you, course. Did you did like it came up when you were like in conversation with someone and they were like, no, I think you're like, oh, I can't so see that. I like attended a Montessori like private uh, thing for like preschool and maybe a little bit of kindergarten i can't quite remember yeah but it was like an early kids developmental thing um and uh i think that they one day they had a thing where kids had to like uh you know point at a chart to see if they could see like 3d illusions come pop out of a page or something like that or you know like read the eye chart i think they just did that for all kids same thing as like a hearing test and I, i'm pleased to say i passed the hearing test with flying colors well mm-hmm. i don't know if you can say colors for hearing but um, for yeah. the, the sight one, I definitely wasn't colorblind, so that was flying colors indeed. Um, fun fact, uh, if, you know, you've got, like, the different colorblind things, you got red, green, mm-hmm. colorblind, yellow, purple. They also yeah. give, like, a um, orange and blue colorblind, and that's a control because um, there's no such thing as, like, orange, blue colorblindness. So if you are, oh, like, it's, um, it's a way to test to, if you're... Yeah, if you say that or... you can't see it, then... And like you're trying to get in or out of the military, they know that you're lying. Um, right. That was implemented during that time. Yeah, so, you can't you can't be in the air force. You can't fly if you're colorblind. Yeah. So yeah. therefore, flying colors. <laughs> I don't know that's <laughs> the origin of the story, but that's what I like to think it is. Um, but anyway, uh, digression aside, uh, I think I failed <laughs> that, that eyesight test okay. at like preschool. So yeah. um, they're like, right, we need to get you some glasses. And I remember I saw the day that I got glasses. Um, the school, like during a lunch break, uh, TV time or something, we had just mm-hmm. seen like an episode of Arthur, you know, mm-hmm. Arthur the Aardvark. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's available in all countries is that other than U.S. But kid, it was a cartoon show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where, you know, friends or animals are friends with other animals and they talk and they're anthropomorphized and everything. Um, it's a really friendly kids TV show. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think it plays anymore, but it was it was nice. Um, and I think the episode I saw was the episode in which Arthur got glasses and he was really paranoid oh. that everyone was going to perceive him really differently. And he was really scared about that. And then in the end, everyone was like really nice to him. But I didn't realize that that was a resolution. I just was like stuck on, you know, he, him having all these nightmares that everyone was going to treat him differently. And I was just so preoccupied. I remember the 
terrible existential fear I had that no one would recognize me, no one would like me, because I'd be such a geek. Wait, and I'm sorry, then, I'm confused. Back up. when did you see that episode? That was the day. I think you- it was. I think it was like the day of. Um, so the, the, your first day of at school with your glasses, you also have your school happened. No, so to show so that- I so I had like glasses or I had you know I knew that I was going to have like some corrective vision stuff and I needed this day that was coming up where I had to get go go get glasses and my parents were going to pull me out for like you know an hour or so to go get the glasses from wherever the glasses place was oh I see and then I have to come back in the afternoon to like hang out with the rest of the classmates and I was so terrified to go back because I was like so scared of being bullied and all the uh-huh, uh-huh. you know horrible associations with having glasses yeah, as a kid yeah. and everyone just kind of took it in stride but you know yeah. it was a little bit scary still um not to think about that and so <laughs> you it. watched the you watched the author episode in the morning before you left. i think yeah yeah i remember it like just okay. being neck and so neck that's kind and, of like, a cool really coincidence because very on topic yeah. but it's also funny because that means you couldn't probably see it very well your vision was i can't remember how bad my eyesight was i just know that it my eyesight has been deteriorating since i was okay. a child so perhaps yeah. i could see a little bit better but then as i grew i think like you know uh pre-adolescent adolescent years it just kind of <laughs> went worse and now it's stabilized thank goodness but right, so i right. must have been able to see it because i think or i could see like shapes you know it wasn't as bad as okay, it okay as now so i i was able to like sit maybe a couple of feet away from the tv screen the old like, tv screen yeah and okay. i could oh, okay. and at least i could hear the story you know like if all else fails you know i right. can hear what's going on oh, okay. um, but everything was just kind of like a blur of color and blobs you know um yes but, which is kind of synonymous with that stage in your life anyways yeah yeah exactly <laughs> or like the recollection the recollection yeah. of you know so yeah. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I'm I'm definitely mm-hmm. sure that that did happen. <laughs> I didn't just okay. come up with that. That's funny. Gotcha. Um, but yeah. So then, uh, since then, I think I've I've worn glasses, uh, and then I think around seventh or eighth grade when I had to do like actual sports, you know, for for school. Um, mm-hmm. and I think I was involved with things like field hockey and lacrosse, where flying balls are involved, and if. They hit your glasses. They are very detrimental to your face, and, yes. and they do have like face guards, but it's kind of more and d- they have sports bulky as for well. like the yeah to fit mm-hmm. over the glasses. So it's just easier to get contact. So I was like, all right, it's about time I'm brave enough to try it. Mm-hmm. So I tried it. Like you said, tears everywhere. It took me like an hour to put things on in the oh, morning. Oh yeah, which, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, was crazy devastating for trying to get to school on time but eventually we got there and i don't mind wearing contacts now i just often i'm too tired these days to put them on but i will put them on if i feel like it you still have but, yeah. yeah so I'm, I'm amphibious right now to using them got it. ambivalent sorry amphibious is dry-eyed or wet-eyed i guess i'm both <laughs> well, I mean, you I know remember i also remember having the fear of showing it because like I was in a small school and I was scared about and it was timed over to be over the summer so I was gonna show up beginning mm-hmm. of school year wearing glasses and there's only like 20 kids in my class we all knew each other so I was also nervous and it went over pretty well I remember luckily but I was very self-conscious but I remember it was because I started getting headaches uh, because mm. I wasn't able to read the chalkboard that well and I, w- I remember oh you had headaches okay I was telling my parents like mentioning at the end of the school day like I just have a headache and it was I think I mild. squinted a lot now that yeah. you mention it. I think I might have squinted yeah. a bit. And then people were like, why is yeah. she squinting so much? And so my mom was, my, both my parents are pretty insightful about like, okay, okay. Oh, hold on. Like, can you read this? And I was like, nope. And then, I, you know, can you read that? Nope. And they're like, okay, let's get you in. And then my brother has like better than perfect vision, like oh, 15, 20 vision. I Maybe envy those. Still, but he is red, red, green, colorblind. Oh, okay. That I guess you can't thing. win them all. Yeah, yeah, but I so he would also come to the eye doctor with me as well, um, just to check in, but it'd always just be like perfect vision, always. But yeah, no, that's our story. And Sarah, I don't know if you've had your experiences, maybe you are also 15 20 vision and you're like, what are these people talking about? Maybe you're um, totally blind, that, and that's okay too, you know, partial blindness, but blind. yeah, and I know that comes about or as people age, cataracts are a thing. I mean, the eyes are such a delicate, I think a unique organ um, where it's not necessarily just, oh, vision, no vision. There's so many 
um, kind of partial things that uh, can affect your vision. So um, I think maybe it'd be funny a little bit the history of it. I know, I mean, we're not experts for sure in this topic. Um, I know we've talked about the visual sense in a previous episode and kind of some of the neurology behind that and the brain pathways. But I think as far as eyewear goes, um, I think like the beginning of understanding of optics from my understanding kind of came about when it was learned about, you know, clear like glass shaped spheres, how they could mag convex shaped spheres could magnify things when yeah. at a certain close distance. I think that Refractive was properties. Mm -hmm. And I think that was observed probably, I would imagine across multiple cultures and, you know, as far as the timing of that, who knows, sure. as far as when it was recorded, there is pretty, um, pretty good recording um, and timelining of that all, uh, at least kind of with the Western world from the, the Roman empire. Um, I've seen sources that say like uh, sometimes uh, in the early, early middle Chinese uh, dynasties and stuff they, mm -hmm. they also had glasses like scholars I guess yeah and I'm trying to think of like because my understanding as well it became kind of more important ish when printing came around because it was like smaller printing was like smaller font sizes so and reading, printing became more accessible it made made reading more accessible to people uh, overall yeah. not just specialized like monks the, who yeah. right so it definitely created like this mass need for seeing detailed things right i would imagine among among people and, it, it, and like you said setting like among more than just one small subset of people yeah. like monks or, or royalty or, or something um but i think what became interesting is yeah we had knowledge of lenses and things but how do you get them to be small and portable and wearable and um so I went to this thing called the International Museum of Surgical Science in Chicago about a year or so ago, and they have a whole display room set thing of um, like the evolution of eyewear and glasses. And mm -hmm. the very first one, if I can recall, is this thing called a pince nez, um, which you know how to translate. You know how to spell that or what? P i n c e dash n e z. I think it's French, but I could be totally wrong. But it literally means pinch nose. So the very first iterations were like two lenses that were held together by like a metal rivet or, or some kind of rivet. And mm -hmm. so it would just kind of sit on the bridge of your nose. Oh, um, okay. And sometimes like if you're, uh, no, yeah. So just sit on your nose and then they kind of made them a little bit more comfortable um, if they were like made out of wire, like connecting the lenses. Sorry, the lenses would be... Um, a wire would be around the circumference of each lens and mm -hmm. then another wire would kind of like bridge the the two lenses together and then you kind of pinch mm -hmm. that wire over your nose however that was you know it was nice but not very comfortable it didn't always like stay on your nose as much as you wanted know, like leather straps would be used to tie around your whole yeah head yeah so well. sometimes they'd like tie them around sometimes uh, i think eventually they had ones that like stuck to your um temples like just arms that kind of stack up there. Oh. I guess some people had like some prominent temples, but they didn't always stay either. Mm -hmm. So, and then eventually um, we get like the Harry Potter circular glasses <laughs> and uh, you know, they, yeah. that, that fit over your ear. I don't know why, I guess circles are easy to make, you know, relative to other shapes at that time, you know, you just kind of grind the lens down. Um, and so the Harry Potter circular glasses um, were popular in like the thirties. And then you start getting to all kinds of fashions and, and uh, styles for the... Well, I know with glasses, onwards. I'm trying to understand because I know I think it was Benjamin Franklin was kind of famous mm -hmm. for, I don't know if he was, you know, the real inventor, but he was kind of the famed inventor for bifocal lenses, right? Where mm -hmm. the top half of the lens would... You know, get, Suited get a... for um, like far away vision mm -hmm. and then bottom is for like nearsighted reading exactly. text and things like that yeah so i mean that could have i mean that invention could have been done before him but that was kind of more the more popularized version um but i think what interests me is yeah the mobility aspect because in the early ages it seemed like it was more of like you had to be still mm -hmm. and holding and using a hand or two to be holding it up to your face to read something or find something in finer detail yes like really like opera glasses around. 
um, binoculars yeah famously like they they were like binoculars or some kind of like magnifying sort of lens where you know it, it would look kind of like one of those mass old masquerade ones with the stick on the side yes. and you just kind of raise it to your face mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you also um, think about pirates you know when the crow's nest yes telescope so so there is a reason for the eye patch oh yeah of course the telescope um but i was also going to say eye patch is another piece of eyewear technically right yeah do you know the function of the eye patch other than to if you don't have an eye to assist (laughs) and protect the eye socket that, that does that does also help medically um so um one reason that i read that they had the eye patch was so that the pirates could have dual vision, like day and night vision, if you will. Um, so like oh. the uncovered eye would be able to see like daylight, you know, like broad, broad oh, sunlight yes. stuff. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. when they go down um, below the deck in the brigs, um, they could lift their, um, or I guess they could swap the eye patch over to like the daylight eye. And so that their, their eye that's accustomed to the darkness would be able to like distinguish, you know, what are the the shapes in the more less yes and to kind areas. Of, you know, to clarify it in Terabang, you know, that's because yeah. our our eyes, the pupil sizes can adjust. It adjusts to, and it takes a while. And if you know, it's, like an, got, it's, it's, an, it's an aperture, right? That yeah. can change the size of the pupils uh, and how much they dilate to take in light to adjust for your kind of the um, light level of your environment so and yeah, yeah your, your eyes will eventually adjust to like darkness mm-hmm. if it's sitting there for a long time but if you're like always moving in an action you yeah. kind of don't have that luxury to stand yeah, and wait until sense. it adjusts i wonder so yeah picked... fun little tidbit right yeah but then um and i also know like it yeah with materials we brought up like leather and and wire i know like uh, tortoise shell and like mm-hmm. whale bone uh, would also be I think because they're just hard I think I've also seen like wooden yeah. ones as well but wooden, um, yeah. you know they all need a certain degree of craftsmanship I suppose and I imagine even make. then like yeah that would affect kind of or immediately you know, playing into beyond just functionality but also fashion mm-hmm. versus yeah so and no being a uh, status symbol if your eyewear was made out of one of these more rare or more expensive materials. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think kind of going back to what you're beginning to touch on, Stephanie, um, you know, like sunglasses and, you know, a lot like today, especially or in the past hundred years or so, how much of a, a, a fashion statement, a cosmetic statement, those serve to be versus, you know, functional being like protecting our eyes from sun exposure. Mm-hmm to glasses that have no lenses now <laughs> and people just wear them for their looks uh, well which, okay I, most, I guess people can i'm yeah, mildly offended but okay mm-hmm. all right you do you there's that of yeah what how glasses can make a person look how much they can you know it's kind of like facial how much hair. they, they kind of like frame the face if you mm-hmm. don't mind the really double ch- entendre but um oh, hilarious <laughs> they do it's uh but you know I think one thing that's interesting today that I feel like to be very curious to people from centuries ago mm, who have eyewear mm. is today we have, you know, the blue filter lenses that aren't prescription or anything. They're like regular. Oh, like for computers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know of- if they, they actually work. Cause I have met people who have them and I've gotten about 50, 50 yes. um, remarks maybe- on whether they're effective or not. I don't know if it depends on the brand. I don't know how well regulated they are. I'm curious. Yeah. Um, maybe that's why I also hear about mixed results of them. Um, maybe some of a placebo effect. But I think just the concept that there is a need for that. I know, you know, in some people's uh, screens, you can download apps to affect, you know, the color grading as well. The brightness of your the monitor brightness and stuff and like that, yeah. Throughout the day. But I think that would be interesting to try to explain to someone from centuries ago, like, yeah, we have these glasses that filter out blue light. I think I think that would make sense because to an extent, like sunglasses too, they, at least I just went uh, to the store and I picked up like four pairs of sunglasses and they all have, they all have different tints to them, you know? So I, I, mm-hmm. I think they have like slightly different filter applied to them. And if you explain to someone who sort of knows what like refractive, no, that's not the right word. But you know, um, I think 
but I think that could be explainable. What cannot be explainable, however, shutter shades. How do you explain that <laughs> phenomena to people? Do you know shutter what I'm talking shades. about? No. Shutter shades. So um, I think around 2010 era-ish, Kanye West came in um, when he was like making waves. Maybe that's not the right year exactly, but he oh, came in with I know these you're glasses yes. that yes. Um, they don't have any lens. They just look like a set of blinds, except you can't you can't open them or close them. They're just fixed. It, and um, it, so it, it, I think it's more are, of a the fashion frames, statement. Yeah, the frames are these, they have these plastic horizontal bars on the, along the frames that are just separated by like half a centimeter or so. And you yeah. just kind of see, look through the slits. And um, I've worn a pair because it was given to me free at university. And they're okay for the wear as long as you are able to ignore the bars which to me i'm already blind so i don't <laughs> it doesn't really matter to me mm-hmm. yeah. but some people have complained but when you you are not the wear and you're looking at someone who is wearing the shutter shades it looks kind of strange bizarre because you can't see their eyes at all it's just masked yeah. like yeah. sunglasses i guess mm-hmm. but um in a different fashion yeah no yeah there's always i think t- specific fashion takes on eyewear like that that are yeah her her uh fashion statement for sure potentially polarizing but not <laughs> i'm just i'm just on a roll with all the puns today <laughs> speaking of polarizing can we talk hmm. about the 3d glass evolution because that's that's also yeah. pretty cool um i don't know about you when you were growing up um i had these like books that were supposed to be 3d like they'd be sort of black and white uh, grayscale gradient um but then you had these like red and green um like one eye would be red or one side would be green or uh, one side would be red and the other side would be blue um mm-hmm. like little glasses you could put on and then suddenly you see a 3d image like pop out um and i think that was did they have movies that were like that too or was it just still images that were kind of like the they had movies yeah they okay Mm -hmm. and those are very rudimentary like you could definitely tell where they had gone in post and tried to make like different layers yes and then so we've got that that's like basic ground zero right and then um the next stage was the imax glasses i think uh where taking the principle of the shutter shades you've got one eye um one lens where the uh i think the lens is like it's got horizontal bars like very very tiny ones and then on the other eye you've got vertical bars and so when your eyes look through these uh two lenses it produces sort of stereoscopic polarized if you will um Mm -hmm. vision um does that make sense right yeah Uh, Mm -hmm. and then um i can't remember i think some of them were like battery powered so that they would even flash on and on and off for each lens alternating them um, so you'd really get that 3D depth. So you don't really need to have those like pre-colored layers. Um, but I think they still do that too. I'm sorry, I'm not <laughs> explaining myself very well. I know that in the editing process, they do definitely need to have stereoscopic um, ways of you know filming and editing this. But they have a lot more flexibility for what they're able to do. Um, like they can make the foreground stuff appear more three uh, D, three dimensional. Like it, like a dinosaur is coming right at you on the screen. But like at the distance, mm-hmm. the palm trees could be, um, you know, like it doesn't look like they're very three D. Even though if the camera turns a little bit, they are. But it's not as uh, obviously like popping out as as like the three D dinosaur coming out at you. Mm-hmm. That's a terrible explanation. I'm sorry. You can go YouTube this <laughs> if you want more information. But it's just kind of interesting how um, 3D has just kind of progressed. That's that's all my spiel. <laughs> oh, man. I butchered that. But it's a cool concept to kind of hand it to this filmmaker. And you know what? I think what we would what we're definitely have plans to do in Terrabang, um, because we're definitely kind of reaching time to this episode to transition to our music list uh, we'll definitely want to touch on in a future episode more about what stephanie just talked about um but also some more recent and looking to the future on developments for i guess you kind of call it eyewear in a way but with things like virtual virtual reality augmented reality mixed reality systems Ooh, Google yes, Flags, yes, Oculus yes. Rift, um you know magic leap i know things that apple is working on but you know 
happening like right here, right now in the present day. So we will definitely um, touch on, on that um, in an upcoming episode. And, um, but yeah. Anything oh, darn else? it. We didn't mention monocles. Um, oh. They seem fun, but <laughs> um, a little bit difficult if you don't have like a protruding um, super orbital ocular region. Kind of perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Very perfect for it. Um, Just thinking Monopoly Man, even though he doesn't have one. I do own a pair of kind of the vintage like Victorian era um, opera binoculars with the one single handle on one side. They're not the most powerful. I think they're just like maybe 10x if that, but they do feel pretty great when I bring them. Kind of fancy. For our music today, we kind of have a little bit of a mix. Um, Not related to eyewear. Yes, we do know there's the obvious song I can see clearly now. Um, however, we just didn't really find a version that we uh, liked fit in well and didn't really click with. So this, um, this, these are songs that we've been listening to lately. Um, some pertain to just kind of the time of year that's happening right now and how things are going for us. Uh, I'll start out uh, a bit random, a little bit. Uh, it's a song by Beyonce released in uh, I think 2014, kind of as a single. Um 7-Eleven, 7 slash 11. I think for me, the song kind of, it was interesting because I remember she dropped this single with a music video kind of out of nowhere at the time. It was just after she released the kind of self-named album in 2013, Beyonce, um, that was very kind of all solid put together, polished and things. And um, this song in particular, along with kind of I think it was flawless and a few like another single around this time that was very different style, more trap kind of oh, different kind of sound. And the music video was just also a very sort of very different artistic side of Beyonce, maybe seem more personal. Um, but my main takeaway as I remember when it came out and I watched the music when it came out, and overall it had very mixed reviews, um, both from like her fans and critics, because it was the style was very homemade style and kind of very different from what she's uh, generally comes out with. Right. And also what other, what had to come out at the time already, you know, it was like, she, it was basically, she had an iPhone and a tripod and was just filming herself kind of dancing around in looks like hotel room. She was staying in some with her friends. Um, Ah, yes. The classic like OG YouTuber style, right? Yeah. A lot, of, a lot like, of jump cuts, kind of things like mm-hmm. that, right? Some kind of cheesy editing and things. Um, and, and I think the, she did win like video of the year at like the BET Awards that year. Oh, so she um, was recognized, right? Okay. It was recognized, but it was, it's also because she was like, she has such no- notoriety for me and Beyonce. But I think I recently revisited the song. It's interesting um, this many years later with how, social media and online videos and kind of what's trendy and what's more accepted and, and things looking back now, especially after like the year of 2020, where a lot of people were in quarantine and kind of making fun self-made videos with a certain kind of existential humor, if you will, the music video completely works in today's climate. I, I agree. I just saw it. Yeah. You showed me a snippet of it mm-hmm. before we started recording and I love it. I think it's, yeah. it's chaotic in all the right, OG YouTube ways, mm-hmm. which kind of is amazing. Which is an interesting guess. So it's seven years out. And I think I feel like people like her, pop stars or pioneers of any field, I'm sure they have to constantly face those risks of releasing something they think is great, but the rest of the world just might not be there. <laughs> yeah. Yet. Yeah. And it's a risk you take of putting yourself out there, putting out some kind of product or music or thing. And you just gotta stand behind it and say, "Yeah, this is my this is my work. This is my craft." I, I think, um, yeah, I think that's important to just kind of like do your own thing, and whether or not people agree with you, eventually they may come to agree with you. But you gotta be happy with it yourself first. Yeah, because uh, yeah. So there was um, that song I wanted to share, and then kind of moving on in the list here, um, kind of remind. I guess with summer kind of starting where we're at, and kind of warmer weather and things, it's a song from kind of I think. May beginning of summer 2017, two years ago, when it was released or at least became more popular. Uh, no Promises by Cheat Codes, uh, featuring Demi Lovato. It was a song that was just always on the radio. Um, I have a car, I kind of drive around quite a bit and play the radio. Sometimes I tune into the genre of top 40, whatever that genre means today. I'm not sure with all the different types, usually of- pop music, usually, right? It tends to be more pop music, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
that song kind of at this point now has hold some nostalgia for me of trying to remember what I was happening in my life those couple years ago. Uh, tied to it, I think came around um, out the similar time. It was also popular. Uh, is the song "It Ain't Me" um, by Kygo and, and featuring Selena Gomez. Selena Gomez and Demi Lovato are kind of the same batch of kind of pop stars who started out Disney. former Disney kids mm-hmm. yeah kind of peers and I think at one point you know friends or so um but I think yeah that um that song came around the same time and so I've been enjoying this past week kind of listening to those pieces um and going off of that I mm-hmm. also really love Kygo um Michelle you know this um <laughs> I don't know if you know. I this don't about think me. we have mentioned Kygo in some early episodes. I think maybe episode one. I believe you mentioned. We briefly Kygo. mentioned, but I mean, compared to that, I like three episode or three song playlists. Now we've got like seventy-two songs, and sometimes things have changed. Yeah, things have changed. We've grown. Um, so I'll share this with you now. So Kygo, uh, cool dude. <laughs> um, All right, Norwegian, for sharing. No- Norwegian <laughs> in origin. Um, so I think his origin story is like he, you know, is used to like cold places. Um, so he tries to like come up with music that makes people or him feel like warm and cozy in summer, you know, summer vibes. Yeah. Um, so he's kind of come up with like, I think he was inspired by Avicii, um, Swedish, uh, electronic music guy Mm -hmm. yeah and then so he came up with his own style it's called tropical house and it's a little bit slower than like i guess what classic edm is um but i find it very chill it's it's very suitable for like working doing chores too you know just doing living your life and so i am gonna put a list of a bunch of different songs there's too many there's like 21 Well, I think I it's important to thing. note. So he kind of he got his start right by yeah. just doing remix covers of existing songs. Yes, he did a whole bunch of remixes um, from like some well-known artists, some lesser-known artists. Some like there's Ed Sheeran involved. I think um, he did some music by with Lana Del Rey. I think it's a very very early one. I'm, I don't think I've yeah. included it in this list. Um, but yeah, there's so some like, from like, like Dolly three, Parton, yeah, three different categories where it's like maybe he just took one song that already existed mm-hmm. from some other artist could have been from decades prior, and he maybe mm-hmm. just added his own sound or touch to it. Sometimes mm-hmm. he's like mixed and mat and combined mm-hmm. multiple songs from different artists mm-hmm. um, that he was able to kind of find a common, um, you know, thread with, and then some kind of like what I mentioned, the song with Selena Gomez, like that's his own original song, yeah, that he created and then brought her on to sing because he's not a vocalist yeah no he's, he's um, just music producer yeah but he does has a good touch i think with like the um vocoders you know like where you kind of map words to a keyboard and then just kind of play those words in like mm-hmm. a different melody or order um pan flutes and i call them jingle bells <laughs> i think they're like sleigh bells but it's it's an interesting yeah. combination like you wouldn't necessarily think of a summary song with like sleigh bells but they work. Trust me. You'll just have to listen to it. Yeah. If you, and, and maybe if you visually over. saw them, your mind would change. But if you just listen to the sound and how it blends in with the whole. Like chill that's... vibe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, so I'm going to include a list. There's too many songs to include here or to mention. So I'm just going to put a giant playlist in later. Um, and some of the artists he has remixed include Alan Walker, um, another fellow Norwegian guy. Uh, Sina Bose, Kyla Lagrange, Henry Green, Ed Sheeran, again, um, and Dolly Parton. Oh, and also, there's a song that he made with Norwegian artists. It's a completely original song. It's not a remix. Um, and it's kind of a rap genre song, would you say that, Michelle? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. With, featuring Store P and Lars Voller. Um, and it's called Kam Kan and Ringe. Um, and it means I can call. Sorry, can you say that one more time? Title? Uh, Chemcon and Ringa, Egria, um, and just means I can call. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. And it's, I don't really know how to describe it. It's just totally different from what he, he normally comes out with. Um, yeah, it but, is. Yeah, she played it for me before this episode. Yeah, it's a different sound. Well, I guess I'm not, Stephanie's not more familiar with his whole body of work. I'm more familiar with kind of, I guess, his more viral chart topping songs. Mm-hmm. Um, so this definitely does have a different sound. And it's a newer song um 
it's it's been around i think for a few years but because it was just norwegian it's very localized so i had to like really go out there and find it um but it's a big hit on like norwegian radio stations um it's it's you you can hear it often according to norwegian people (laughs) i think it's on their top 40 (laughs) got it yeah uh yeah so it's kind of i don't know a little grungy um and i don't know if that's the right term um but it's a little more grittier than his like normally very polished style yes yes i agree yeah and you had a couple songs more i would say more harder style yeah Hard, more harder is not what a um, what a phrase sorry yeah more hard style versus um i wouldn't say grungier but yeah definitely a harder style okay uh yes and then when stephanie kind of showed it to me just now before the episode my mind i always have fun trying to connect yeah songs together and me too yeah and i think we stephanie often have conversations at terabang where especially with pop songs in particular because they do tend to have a pretty simple structure Mm -hmm. um and have a lot of commonalities and overlap with each other so it's always fun to identify of which ones sound similar to each other certain elements and things yeah Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and um which makes sense because you want to get the magic magic sauce magic ingredients to get a popular chart topping profitable song yeah yeah um and so yes when she just shared the song with me off the top of my head within a few minutes i was like this reminds me of this and this song so we thought it'd be fun um to share those songs as well so the first that came to mind um i'm hesitant to say that what stephanie called the song you know camcon egringe the kaigo song i've referred to <laughs> as if that's okay to be out of respect or for uh norwegians um but paced by taiga um there's kind of especially in the beginning of the song um there's certain kind of backing vocals that come return throughout the song that remind me of kind of the same element in the kind of echoey reverbed um Mm -hmm. things yeah pulsating a vote background vocal that's used as as an instrument kind Mm -hmm. of thing so that was interesting another song bringing back demi lovato for another song she was featured on um it's called Solo. friend of the podcast she's always welcome to come just like always. <laughs> always welcome. <laughs> exactly always welcome um solo by clean bandit featuring demi lovato came out a few years ago um i think incl- incorporates some of what kaigo usually does which has some of that kind of tropical house vibes but this general sound, sound song structure i would say is similar to the the kaigo norwegian single Mm-hmm. um and just kind of yeah how they break up the verses and the bridge and whatnot and then thirdly what reminded me of which i think there's a lot of overlap between solo and the song is um futurist it's from this it's from the future nostalgia album by dua lipa that came out uh, fully last summer in 2020 the single is hallucinate with this is very distinct kind of guitar bass line throughout mm-hmm. um and so I had some fun coming up with those those three songs that I thought were I like similar those. in sound to to the the Kygo single. Um, and I know I've mentioned this before, but thank you very much for bringing up Hallucinate. Um, mm-hmm. I have to include again <laughs> the BBC news theme. It's like the countdown theme. Um, that's a remix with Hallucinate because it's such like oh. a ravey bop. Um, yeah. That mm-hmm. I think it kind of fit. I mean, I think it fits well anywhere. But particularly here, it's kind of like a, you know, a little bit of a dancing session, not too like high energy, but just medium energy. Mm-hmm. Um, where you just kind of like do your vacuuming and, you know, like do it yeah. pretty efficiently. Um, so that's a pretty good song. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's what I got to cram in. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think totally switching gears here, but just to be transparent, again, this playlist kind of what Stephanie and I have been listening to just throughout the week or so and you know for me it hasn't always been these fun poppy summery hits um my you've mood- got variety yeah you have variety yeah my mood fluctuates within a single hour a couple times so um, when i'm feeling more somber this week i've been revisiting um from their first debut album in 2013 the group daughter um mm-hmm. a few pretty much got the whole album but a few of their songs um particular um so there's touch youth and and shallows 
So really bringing down the tempo and the energy level. Kaigo's songs are definitely can be kind of more chill, but this is bringing it down even a few more notches. Um, a lot less instruments going on. Um, there's always vocals and lyrics are, those are pretty depressing, <laughs> usually about loss, longing, mourning, um, kind of sadness for sure. Um, grief, definitely some grief happening there. But for all three of those songs and most of daughter's songs, I mean, the, I also just kind of recommend like the instrumental versions I think are nice too, because I think like Stephanie and I have brought up some songs in other episodes, you know, the lyrics may really bring to light that the song is sad, but instrumentally they could actually be seen and to have kind of different moods and tones. And so I would invite you and Sarah Bang to explore that for you know, the songs by daughter that we're including um, to check out the instrumental versions and see how different it tastes for you. Um, but yeah, those are what I have to share. And I'm going to round out the last couple of bits with some more Kygo bits. So based on what you said, Michelle, I thought of a couple like slowish Kygo songs too. And I think they kind of like transition, you know, well with it. Mm-hmm. Um, they're also quite slow. They're James Blake songs. Um, Let Love, Wilhelm Scream. Going to include all this later. Um, and then it kind of picks up in tempo with some Sin Cole and M83 stuff and Coldplay. And then it gets hypey with some Starboy by the weekend and some other boppy beats. And then I'm going to end the playlist with some true classics. Um, <laughs> with some true classics. Uh, Sexual Healing by Marvin Gaye. Take On Me by AHA. Um, What's Love Got to Do With It, Tina Turner, and Hi, I Love, Whitney Houston, Steve Winwood, all Kygo remixes, and I thought they're all absolute bangers. So, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so, you know, this, hopefully this playlist will take you on a journey of, you know, high and low spirits, um, mellow spirits, exciting spirits, Um, do whatever you want, put it on shuffle, mix it up, make it a roller coaster, Uh, do what you will, and enjoy the next coming week or however long you're going to listen until the next mm-hmm. podcast episode yeah, thanks. so thanks for hanging out with us it has been fun this um this time around as always with you stephanie and Tara bang um yeah hope you enjoyed the playlist it's quite lengthy but like i said just press play and kind of have fun it. with it yeah yeah and um hope you yeah hope you have a good day or night whatever time it is and we will see you next time Ah, see you soon. <laughs> <laughs>